you would take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13. Now I'm going to begin at verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 10. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before, for tell you, as if I were present the second time, and being absent now I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other, that if I come again I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. We also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong. This also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should not should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to evocation, and not to destruction. The title of the message this morning, Weighing the Evidence. Weighing the evidence of our salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. We thank you, Father, that we have everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We thank you, Father, that we have a complete revelation of thyself, given to us everything that we need to understand how to live how to, how to be saved, be born again, and how to live pleasing unto thee, have a relationship with you, and then assurance of eternal life, and an a, a inheritance reserved in heaven that fadeth not away. So, I, Father, you would open our hearts and minds to receive thy truth this day. I pray that there be any here in our midst this morning, or listening by way of live stream, who may not have that assurance of salvation. Maybe they don't know them their own selves. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts and open their understanding might receive the truth. For we can do nothing against the truth, but we will be judged by the truth. So, Lord, just glorify yourself. Have your will and way. Help me as I preach. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the Apostle Paul closes this inspired letter to the church at Corinth, he challenges them concerning the validity of their salvation. The reason of which was the continued spiritual problems that were common at the church. There was immorality issues, even spoken of here in chapter 12, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 21. Uh, And there not only were immorality issues, there were heart attitude issues. There was divisions among them, a lack of submission to authority, Evidenced by the command in 1 Corinthians 16, 16, to follow the house of Stephanus. Well, they have addicted themselves to the ministry. Evidently, they needed that admonition. 
And, you know, it's evident that Paul had appointed Stephanus to be the pastor, and they were having problems because it was Stephanus that actually went to Paul and some others with the problems they were having. But even they were, the, the, their, their authority issues even went to the point of questioning Paul's apostleship, as evidenced in 2 Corinthians chapters 10 through 12, and even here in chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, where it says, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, so again, there was a question of his apostleship and his authority. And, when, and after all, he was the instrument the Lord used to lead them to Christ, to plant the church. And so he challenges them, look, you need to weigh the evidence. You want to question me? Let's weigh the evidence. And he states in verse 1, this is the third time that I'm coming to you. And he, and he uses the phrase there, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So I think what he's kind of saying here is, look, this is the third time. It's time you be established in the truth. If you really know the truth. Time to give it evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Time and demonstrate the validity of Christ in your life. The reality of Christ is demonstrated by the power of God convicting, convincing, and transforming a life. That's the evidence. Is something that's done by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. You know, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, it gets, the Word of God gets to the heart of the matter and has power to change us, to give us life, and to transform us. And where the Word of God is, there is change where it has recourse. So he says, let's weigh the evidence. Since you seek proof in me, in verse 3 he says, you know, really what he says then is, you are the evidence. That's the proof. So now let's look at ourselves. And he gives them three things as we consider weighing the evidence that they needed to examine, and we can examine ourselves this morning. First of all, examine ourselves by the Word of God. Verse 5 says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Examine yourselves. The word examine means to try, to make trial of, to test, for the purpose of ascertaining the quality of what one thinks of himself. This word is used 39 times. The Greek word is used 39 times in the New Testament. 29 of those times is, temp, is translated tempt. Which means to test or try. Tempt. Only one time is it used translated examine here in our passage. And so it means to try or test one's faith. And it has the idea of like trying one's faith with an enticement to sin. So it's an examination by enticing one to sin. Now we know from Sunday school class this morning that God doesn't tempt us to sin. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. But the question is, are we going to give in to this enticement? So that's what he's saying. Hey, let's examine yourselves. Are you continually giving in to the enticement to sin? You know, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, we have a, an example of how we ought to respond 
to this enticement to sin. And this is really what, what the, the devil was trying to do in the temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 4. Where it says, and then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You know, he's been fasting for 40 days. Or, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. Now, if you hadn't eaten 40, 40 days and 40 nights, would you be tempted to eat if something was offered to you, no matter what it was? Well, it says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou at any time dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, again, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into the exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So Satan was tempting the Lord, Jesus, to disobey or to not trust in the word of God. After all, sin is a transgression of the law, First John 3, 4 tells us. So sin is a transgression or a disregard for or a disobedience to the word of God. That's what sin is. And so Satan here is trying to get the Lord Jesus to disregard the word of God. And so, you know, we need to ask ourselves the question as we examine ourselves, is your testimony consistent with the word of God? Is it a scriptural testimony of salvation? Who are you trusting in? Is it Jesus Christ? Is he the Lord? You know, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And of course, that new birth requires two things. Repentance toward God. We need to understand who God is and, 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 and his standard of righteousness. And, and then we, there's faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, two, uh, th- these two things happen simultaneously. It's like a coin. You know, it has two sides, but it's one coin. And you can see, you know, there's all kinds of illustrations that, you know, to grow, you must have two things, water and food. Uh, for plants to grow, you must have sun and rain. But there's one plant. You know, for electricity to work, and I don't understand all I know about it. I know enough to be, you know, about electricity to be dangerous. But, you know, it requires a hot wire and a negative or a ground. Battery, positive and negative, that's the same idea. You know. And, and so that's the way repentance and, and, and faith is. is, is it's, it's the same. It, it happens simultaneously. It's, it's kind of one thing, but it has got two sides to it. And, and so, you know, we acknowledge him. It really has the idea of we need to be willing to acknowledge him, turn from our sins, submit to him. And, and so we need to ask ourselves, when we, uh, when we examine ourselves, are we, are we, uh, uh, have we come to God? Is it our testimony consistent with the word of God? And when we are enticed to sin, do we give heed to the word of God or are we led astray of our own ideas? You know, many are not willing to commit or repent because, well, they want the positive, but they don't want the negative. With, when you're confronted with the truth, are you willing to receive it? 
Or you like so many that want the blessings of God. They want the promise of heaven. They want all the blessings of God. But denying self, bearing a cross, living a crucified life. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that part. You know, that's part of the package. It's part of it. See, what most people want is a belief is the belief part, but they don't want the repentance part. Or when difficult trials come, they do what is convenient, or or we do what is convenient, what is comfortable, what allows us to be in harmony with the world. After all, you don't want to offend anyone. we, We live in a world that's so easily offended nowadays. This woke culture. Yeah, as we heard in Sunday school, they're irrational. They're irrational. I mean, they're going to find something that offends them. I mean, Aunt Jemima pancakes going to be offensive. Can you believe it? Or syrup, whatever that is, you know. Land of Lakes butter. Talking to a dairy farmer here likes his butter. But, you know, for years we, we had this Land of Lakes butter, and there was a picture on there, I think, of an Indian woman. Well, that's offensive now. Offensive to who? I mean, I think if I was Indian, I'd be kind of proud to have something of our tribe on the butter. It goes all over, all over the country. You know, it's probably not the Indians who are offended by it. No. See, we want, many want to be in harmony with the world. They don't want to be, they don't want to be look different or be offensive. You see, this temptation of Jesus was not a temptation to immorality or some vice. It was simply not to follow the way of the Father. Maybe you could, you could say it. It was simply to act independently of God. And God allowed this in, in the life of, of our Lord Jesus to, you know, to demonstrate the great power of God over sin in the Son of God, in the Son of Man. He was the God-man. And so when you are tried, when you are tested, will you allow the Word of God to try you and instruct you and direct your life? Or are you going to give lip service to the Lord and then live the way you want? And that's what I think he's asking the Corinthians here. Examine yourself. So when you're enticed to sin by the world, and they lived in a world that was full of wickedness, just like we do. You know, we think the sodomites and the transgenders and the prostitution that's in our country is new, but it's not. It was prevalent in Corinth. I mean, it was acceptable to go to the, the, the temple shrines where there was prostitutes and participate. That was acceptable in that culture. But Paul, but Paul is writing them and says, look, examine yourselves. So when you're tempted and when you're tried, when the world tries you and tempts you, are you going to concede? Or are you going to allow the Word of God direct your life? Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Or do you have a daily relationship with Him as it just on the Lord's day? I fear that many... They go to church, quote unquote. Don't read their Bible. 
Don't pray. You know, the Bible tells us in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I mean, you want to have success in your Christian life? You don't, you, if you don't want to give in to the enticement of sin, you better meditate day and night in the Word of God. Because it has power. It'll quicken you. It'll give you life. Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. For like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. You know, I just had this thought yesterday when I was going through this. It says the ungodly are not so. You know, the ungodly don't meditate day and night with God. They just live independently of God. They may be good people. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that are moral. They don't live in immorality. They don't have vices. But they just live independently of God. Do you know what God calls them? Ungodly. Ungodly. You know, you can, you can, you can kind of live and have the appearance of a Christian. Not really be. Oh, we need to meditate day and night in the Word of God. You know, God's people ought to desire a relationship with Him. A daily one. A daily one. And part of that is spending time in His Word. The other part is in prayer. Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He shall hear my voice. The Bible tells us that Daniel prayed, kneeling three times a day toward his, with his window open toward Jerusalem. As he did before time. That was his common practice. Luke 18.1 says, And he spake a parable unto them this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. And 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. The question I have is, do you commune with God daily? Or do you live independently of Him? See, communion God with, with God is, we spend time with His Word, letting Him talk to us, and then we spend time in prayer talking to Him. That's what communication is. It's talk, talk. Listen, talk, listen, talk, listen. So he says, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. The second thing he says here as we consider weighing the evidence is prove yourselves. Verse 5 again says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Prove your own Selves. Now, I think the, the, the idea of examining yourself is allowing something to inspect you. Proving yourself is demonstrating by your actions. So it's an outward, a thing that goes from you. The other is a thing that comes to you. So like somebody be sitting down and giving you a test. You're 
by your answers, your proof of, of your knowledge. So prove yourself, and so prove yourself in experiences of life. The word prove here is similar to the word examine. It means to test, examine, to, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing be genuine or not as metals. You know, a man may wish to prove an axe. That's good quality. But how's he going to prove it? He's going to show you what it looks like? Sharpen it up, make it real sharp? Does that prove it's good? No. He's got to take it out into the woods. He's got to put it to work cutting down trees to see if it's good quality. That will prove it. And so we need to be prove our faith by what we do out in the world. That's how we prove our faith. Galatians 6.4 says, Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Ephesians 5.10, Proving what is acceptable in the Lord. And 1 Timothy 3.10 says, Let these also first be proved, speaking of deacons, let them then use the office of deacon being found blameless, so that they prove themselves, that they give evidence by their life that they are faithful in service to the Lord. In Hebrews 3.9, it says, When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. So there was evidence that they saw proving that God was faithful. So the idea here is how do your actions from the heart prove or show the presence of God in your life? If no one would see you, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is a, uh, a thought I've often had. So, if no one would see or know of your actions and dealings, would you strive to please God? If nobody knew. See, what you would do in secret is really reveals who you are. It reveals your heart. You know, a parent was told at a parent-teacher meeting how nice her daughter was at school. The mother said, I don't know why she isn't like that at home. You know, it's what you're like around those that are closest to you and, and, and where, you know, not in public, it demonstrates what you really, your, really your heart. You know, Jesus warned in Matthew 6 and verse 1 of the Pharisees, he said, take heed you not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have your reward of your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 23, 5 says, But all their works, speaking again to the Pharisees, they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. That was like plaques with scripture portions written on them. They wore them on their garments. And they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So, so is your work for the Lord done in direction and the power of the Spirit of God, or is it to please men? Or to soothe a guilty conscience? Your church activities can be wonderful things. They can be tools. But they also can be a detriment to soothe the conscience of one who's not faithful in everyday life. You know, sometimes, you know, soul winning endeavors can just be about how much we can get done. Is that really our motive? Is that a good motive? Just how much we can get done? 
How many doors we can knock on? You know, our most effective witnesses in everyday life, what people see of you, what they hear come from your mouth, especially in times of difficulties. It's not so easy to prove yourself then. And so he says to the Corinthians, look, prove yourselves. When you go out into the world, prove yourself. Prove yourself. Then once you notice a third thing he challenges them with, and that is know your own selves. Again, verse 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? And that's a question, actually. He says to know your own self. The word know here means to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know thoroughly, to know accurately, to know well. A good example of this is in Matthew or Mark chapter 5, verse 30, where the woman who had a, an infirmity and said, if I could just but, and she was trying to get to Jesus, but there was a crowd. She said, if I could just but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And so she actually was able to, but the Bible says here that Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? No, he knew that the power to heal went out of him. He was in tune with the Spirit of God and the Heavenly Father and the work of the Spirit, so much so in his own body that he knew something happened. He knew himself thoroughly. How well do you know yourself? Are we in harmony with the power of the Father and the Spirit? We need to have this kind of perception of ourselves. It requires honest humility. Therein lies the problem. It requires honest. Honest, you know, an old preacher you said years ago, they said, honest, humility is simply being honest with yourself. Being honest with yourself. You know, having a right perception of oneself. Paul wrote to the churches in Rome and said in Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to everyone that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know, do not be self-deceived. Be honest with yourself. Submit yourself to examination. Be willing to prove your own salvation. Submit yourselves to the truth. If you notice here in verse 8, he says, for we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. I mean, you can defy the truth all you want, but you're never going to win. Sooner or later, you're going to have to face it. Better to face it now than face it at the judgment. Know your own selves. Too often we have pride ourselves in the appearance of things. As somebody said, all that glitters is not gold. Just because something is big doesn't mean it's better. I remind you that a deer lays along the road for a few days, it gets bigger. 
I don't think any of you would be, be desirous to go have a meal from it. You know, Matthew 5, 20, the Bible says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. They were all about appearance. They were all about appearance. They looked good on the outside. But inwardly, Jesus said they were full of dead man's bones. You know, an example of someone that was not honest with himself was Saul. King Saul. He seemed valiant to fight for God's people, but the fire soon became a false fire. The fire to fight for Saul. It soon became to protect Saul and not fight the Lord. It soon became all about Saul. Protecting his kingdom. And the problem was, he wasn't honest with himself. He was not willing to accept responsibility for sin. He refused to be accountable to anyone, whether it was Samuel the prophet who spoke to him the word of the Lord, or the priest of the Lord. You know, he would not allow the word of God to correct him. Instead, he rejected the counsel of God against himself. He wanted to change God's mind and not allow God to change him. He justified himself. And he rejected God's sentence against himself. Because the Lord said, The Lord hath taken away thy kingdom. He didn't take his life. He took his kingdom. But he wouldn't accept that. Now David was not a self-deceived man. David wasn't perfect. We all know that. We heard that again in Sunday school this morning. He was not perfect. As none of us are. But David didn't justify himself. In fact, in Psalm 51, he said that said of the Lord that thou mightest be justified when thou judgest. Of course, he justified God or declared God was right in judging him and his house for his sin. And he accepted it. He accepted it. Moses was a man who was honest with himself, who knew himself. He knew that he had disobeyed God in striking the rock twice. That was rebellion against the command of God. And God's sentence was, ye shall not enter the promised land. Now he asked the Lord three times, Lord, please. You know, the Lord said no. Now I don't know about you, but I think right, right then and then, I just sit down and had myself a great big pity party and said, I quit. Do you know what Moses did? He accepted it. And then, not only did he accept it, he turned around and he prepared Joshua to take his place. And he prepared the children of Israel. He gave them commands and instructions what to do when they entered the Canaan. 
Notice, he continued to serve the Lord and serve the Lord's people until the day the Lord took him out. You know how much, how different things could have been for Saul if he had just known his own self. Instead of being self-deceived. Do you know yourself? Are you honest with yourself? You know, being honest with yourself is not easy. It's humiliating. But it's also very exalting. Because you humble yourself in the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. We remember Moses not because he was humiliated. It was humiliating that the man who led the children of Israel for 40 years, it would have been humiliating for the man that led the children of Israel for 40 years with the purpose of going into the Canaan land to actually not be able to go in. But we don't remember anything like, we don't, when we think of Moses, we don't think anything like that of him. What do we think of? The great man of God that Moses was. How he faithfully led the children of Israel. Galatians 6 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Unless there a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so, let's weigh the evidence. Is the evidence of your salvation valid? Is God real in your life? Do you have assurance of the life of God? Is there Christian growth in your life? You notice here in verse 9, he says, For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong, and this also we wish. In other words, our desire is even your perfection. In other words, we, we desire is that you would mature, that you would grow. If, if there's life, there should be growth. There should be edification of building up. Verse 10, therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I you should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given unto me to edification and not to destruction. So there should be growth if there's life. And if these things are not happening in your life, maybe you need to examine. Maybe you need to weigh the evidence. Is it real? In Matthew 7, two times, verse 16 and verse 20, the Bible says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. New Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, it's not just what you say that gives evidence of your salvation. It's what you do. You know, people know when I'm going hunting. Because I have the equipment and the armaments to go hunting. I don't go hunting with my Bible. Now, I might take it along, but it's not evident. That isn't the weapon I use to shoot deer. 
I use a rifle. And there's certain garments that I wear. They are they prove that I'm hunting. If you're a child of God, there ought to be certain things that are evident in your life. And I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about things that are evident. There ought to be some evidence. There ought to be some proof that you are a child of God. So, weigh the evidence. Allow the Lord to examine you by His Word. Prove yourself through life experiences and know your own heart. So how is it with you this morning? Is there evidence? 